Welcome into the Galloway Podcast, episode 56. I'm your host, William Galloway. Today is Wednesday, October 28th, 2020. We're getting ready for Alabama versus Mississippi State. Saturday night in Bryant-Denny Stadium. Kickoff is at 6 p.m. on ESPN. On today's podcast, we're talking with Matt Wyatt, the Mississippi State University football radio analyst. We'll break down X's and O's of this game and the Alabama offense, how they compare with the Mississippi State offense and the Mississippi State defense uh, actually leading Leading the SEC right now in yards allowed per game. So we'll talk to Matt and break down that game shortly. As always, we'll start with what's new and go around the SEC scoreboard. Obviously, some news about Jalen Waddle this week. So we'll talk about Waddle's injury and you'll hear from Mac Jones and what Mac Jones had to say uh, when he spoke to the media about Jalen earlier this week. And then, as we always do after the interview, we'll go around Alabama athletics. So that's all coming up on the Galloway Podcast. I want to remind you that the Galloway Podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Spotify, as well as SoundCloud. If you can check out the podcast on those three platforms, share on your social media with your friends, and be sure to give me any feedback you have on the podcast on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway. would love to hear your positive, negative, neutral feedback, whatever it is. You can tweet me at WM underscore Galloway, and I appreciate any and all feedback. Let's go ahead and get episode 56 rolling as we start with what's new and go around the SEC scoreboard, the bye weeks, and especially coronavirus uh, only allowed for uh, excuse me, four games last week instead of seven in the SEC. We'll start with Missouri defeating Kentucky 20-10. to That game was in Columbia. Missouri now 2-2 two and two on the season. Kentucky's 2-3. and three. LSU got their second win of the season over South Carolina 52-24, to and the story going into that game was not having Miles Brennan. Well, Finley threw for 265 yards, and LSU had a pretty good offensive game uh, against a South Carolina team that's really struggling this year so not a whole lot to speak for there other than LSU now even on the season at two and two South Carolina falls to two and three we're gonna get into this Alabama Tennessee game here in a minute but first let's start with Auburn at Ole Miss of course Auburn won 35 to 28 a late pass from Bo Nix to Seth Williams and Seth Williams kind of broke free down the sideline there that was of course after a errant call and we can say that because the SEC came out and said that there was a mishap and a miscommunication and a wrong call made uh, when the ball on the kickoff hit the Auburn defender's leg and it was not called in Mississippi excuse me old Mrs. Lane Kiffin of course had that I wouldn't call it a rant on Twitter. It wasn't a rant. I mean, he talked about how many pennies he was going to pay the league and couldn't get his math straight, but he retweeted something, and he was fined $25,000. And as Aaron Suttles of The Athletic pointed out, if you are going to complain about a call and then the league is going to come back and say, hey, we're fining you for complaining about this call, but you were right and we were wrong, I think the fine should be lifted, not because it's Lane Kiffin, not because it involves Auburn, but I don't think it's fair to penalize someone for criticizing you when you made the mistake. And I get he's a head coach, and I get there's the SEC policy, but where's the accountability in terms of the officiating when 
And it's happened in other games around college football. It's not just Auburn, but Auburn has been the beneficiary of, in their three wins, at least two games, if not three, there's been a call in the fourth quarter that has gone their way, and it's been very borderline in terms of the rules and regulations of the game, what is allowed, and Auburn has come out on top of that. Now, I'm not saying we need to change the rules, I'm not saying Auburn's lucky, this, that, or the other, but the reviewing process of the rules needs to be re-examined because especially in that Ole Miss game, when the SEC comes out and says they were wrong, that that one instance changed the whole outcome of the game. And yes, there's things Ole Miss could have done better. And there's things, you know, I just think there needs to be more accountability league-wide. And it's not because it has to do with Auburn. It's not because, you know, Ole Miss lost it happened to Alabama last year. It happens to teams every single week. And obviously the refs aren't going to get everything right. I understand that. But there needs to be more transparency in terms of rules, in terms of reviews, and in terms of referees being consistent. They need to be better. And obviously, like I said, they're not going to be perfect. But there needs to be some change. So Auburn now 3-2 and two on the season. With the 35 to 28 win over Ole Miss, Ole Miss is one and four. Now, Alabama got the best of Tennessee in Knoxville, extending their win streak to 14 years in a row. Saban never lost to Tennessee, has never lost to Tennessee as the head coach at the University of Alabama. 48 to 17, Mac Jones threw for 387 yards before being pulled in the fourth quarter and letting Bryce Young go in. So Mac could have had, I believe, it would have been the fourth game of throwing over 400 yards and they just Saban we know does not care about numbers doesn't care about records goes for the win and Alabama is the only undefeated team in the SEC now Jalen Waddle of course that injury was just devastating and you think about that play and coach Saban said at halftime about Jalen Waddle he was very emotional he said he's out he's out he's out for the year now Seeing some morons on Twitter, some of you, some of you people that just think, "Oh, well, why did he return that ball?" Saban said it was too deep in the end zone. Yeah, but also Jalen Waddle is the best return man in the country, and as Matt Wyatt will tell you here in a couple minutes, it doesn't matter if you like him or not. You want to see that guy return kicks, and he has the ability to take it to the house, even if he's you know a yard or two into the end zone. And as Coach Saban said, you got to trust the player. You got to let him use his judgment. And injuries are an inherent risk when you play football. And so while that is a very very unfortunate situation, we'll probably never see Jalen Waddle play college football again. He made a judgment call, and what happened happened. And you can't sit there and say, well, he should have never been out there in the first place. Are you kidding me? Why would you not play your best player? Should the third-string quarterback have been out there for Alabama against Tennessee getting first-team reps on Alabama's first possession? No. And to the fact that you think, you know, because I have hindsight, I think I can make this judgment call and, you know, Jalen Waddle shouldn't have been returning kicks. Get out of here. I mean, just that ignorance to me is stupid uh, a very unfortunate situation but here's what Mac Jones said about his relationship with Jalen Waddle. yeah I think a lot of the guys saw him after the game like in the ambulance actually you know walking back to the bus and I got to you know just say a few words to him but it's hard to go walk up to one of your your closest friends and, and see him crying like that just knowing that his season's kind of over and um, he doesn't know what his path looks like going forward but just knowing Jalen for the past couple of years, 
he's one of the hardest workers I know, and he's going to bounce back from something like this. And that's kind of what I told him. And I shot him a text again yesterday. But um, we're all with Jalen, and he knows that if he needs anything, he can come reach out to us, and, and we'll help him in any way um, that we can. Some emotional words there from Mac Jones. And one guy that stepped up this weekend against Tennessee was John Mechie. 151 receiving yards. I think it was only eight catches. And obviously he's going to have to step up and be the guy along with Devontae Smith, kind of those one and two. Uh, you know, we're going to have to see all different types of receivers. Slade Bolden is stepping up and really did step up against Tennessee. So excited to see what he's going to do. Some younger guys, some freshmen, some sophomores, some names that Alabama fans really aren't that familiar with. I mean, when we go through the Alabama lineup and you look at the wide receiver position, you don't know and names don't pop off besides Jalen Waddle, besides John Mechie, and besides Devontae Smith. But when we look at some of these wide receivers, let's just go through the names here. Some guys you're probably going to hear more, you know, hear their number called, hear their name called. Um, you've got guys, of course, I just mentioned Slade Bolton, but Treshawn Holden is a freshman that's, you know, a lot of people are, are high on. Javon Baker, especially. Jay Bake, as the players call him. A 6'2", 195 um, freshman from Powder Springs, Georgia. Went to McEachern, who's also, they also have a really good basketball program. Xavier Williams. Uh, I mean, these guys you're going to hear more and more. Of course, Miller Forstall, the tight end, is going to be utilized as well, even more now. Um, so, you know, there are plenty of guys and there's plenty of talent. It, you just hate to see that about Jalen Waddle. And let's not spend any more time talking about Jalen Waddle. Let's talk about the future and what's coming up for Alabama, Mississippi State. And really appreciate Matt Wyatt, the Mississippi State football radio analyst, taking time out of his week to join the podcast. So I want to remind you the Galloway podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as SoundCloud. Let's kick it over to the Mississippi State game preview here on the Galloway podcast with Matt Wyatt. I'm joined now by Matt Wyatt, the Mississippi State Bulldogs radio analyst for this interview. Matt, thank you for taking some time in this busy game week. How you doing? Yeah, doing great. Doing great. It is a busy game week, um, but looking forward to it. Coming to Tuscaloosa this weekend and get to watch one of the best teams in the country. I'm really excited for this matchup. Obviously, people know Mississippi State, Alabama have played for, um, you know, over 100 matchups, I believe. And... Uh, but it's Nick Saban's birthday as well. Something people aren't talking about. Turned 69 on Halloween. I think there's a stat Alabama's played 12 or 15 games in the last 40, 50 years on Halloween. So, anyways, we'll go ahead and jump in right to it here. Mississippi State kind of came out, and they came out firing against LSU. And so what can you tell me about Mississippi State's start in Baton Rouge at the beginning of the season versus the past – they were off last week, the past three games, um, how they ended up one and three? Yeah, you know, the last three have been a lot different than that first one, for sure. And one thing that, you know, is an obvious difference when you go and kind of watch the film of those was LSU's defense tried a particular style of defense pretty much throughout the game. A lot of man-to-man -man coverage, not exclusively. Some people made it out to sound that they played man-to-man -man the entire game. That's not true. They really did switch it up, but they did play a lot of man. They played a lot of underneath man concepts. Uh, and State took advantage of that, just threw it all over the field. Um, and, you know, it was one of those where as a, as a Mississippi State person, you thought, man, are they going to they gonna do this every week? Is this possible every week? 
And then you found out the next week, no, they're not going to do it every week because then uh, Barry Odom and that Arkansas defense totally switched it up and said, okay, they're dangerous when you try to challenge them in man-to-man. Let's, let's back up. You know, let's drop eight. We'll only rush three. Yes, they may have more time to throw. We'll try to get pressure with three, but we're going to keep those receivers in front of us and make them read our zone coverage and see if they'll make a mistake. So instead of giving State the opportunity to go on a five-play scoring drive, we're going to force State to go on 15-play scoring drives. And if they execute well enough with no spring practice and no offseason and a brand-new if they can execute everything well enough to score on us in 15 plays. We'll just have to shake their hand after the game. But we're going to bet by forcing them to run more plays, keep it in front of us, they'll make mistakes. And sure enough, they did. You know, State made mistakes. They turned the ball over, threw a bunch of interceptions. Kentucky then tried it again the next week. Same thing. State just doesn't didn't have their offense ironed out enough to be able to execute enough and so that's kind of where they are right now is an offense that you know they showed you to work and against certain concepts but against the drop eight zone coverage that they've seen a lot they've been unable to string together long drives without making mistakes and without turning the ball over and that's kind of where they are right now and so, Matt, if you were the Alabama defense, obviously there were questions about the secondary coming into this season. How much man do you want to play? I mean, you've seen the zone work in success against Mississippi State, but obviously Coach Saban, you know, we know he's not going to do the same thing all game long. How much man do you expect to see from Alabama on Saturday? You know, it'll be less than 50% of their snaps. Um, I'll be absolutely shocked if more than 50% of the time they're in man coverage uh, looks. I, I think it'll be way less than 50%, you know, somewhere in that 30, 70 range. There'll be about 30% of the time where there may be some situations. Um, you know, it could be every now and then state may get in a short yardage situation and Alabama will jump into man-to-man there knowing you're going to try to get rid of the ball quick and we'll try to blitz and get the ball out of your hand. But look, 70% of the time you're going to see Alabama with – Um, two safeties uh, back there, either playing some version of, you know, true cover two where the corners stay up and the safeties drop or, you know, quarter, quarter, half, which we've, you know, you, somebody's dropping another corner stand up, but they'll disguise it. You're going to see a lot of two safeties because Alabama knows that they they don't want to get in a situation too much that gives state an opportunity to hit the deep ball either. Um, The one way this year where State has been able to score is with the big play. Well, they're going to go, okay, we got to keep you in front of us. The best way to do that is zone. We'll keep some guys over the top. And Texas A&M showed they changed it. They didn't go strictly three-man rush, but they did a lot of four-man pressures and were able to get to the quarterback. And by watching that film, Alabama's going to feel like they can do it too. Offensively for the Bulldogs, what does K.J. Costello have to do to pick apart this Alabama defense, and what advantages does he have with his ability versus Nick Saban's defense? Well, K.J. really has struggled the last three weeks with turnovers. Um, He's had some situations where you watch the film and his eyes – you know, you hear Mike Leach say in his press conference, you know, well, we got to get his eyes in the right place. Well, a lot of that – you know, we're, we're looking at it from a fan. We're thinking left to right or sideline to sideline, but that's not what they're talking about. they got to get his eyes at the right level of the field. You know, you're reading zone stuff. There are a lot of throws. He's had some pick sixes where his eyes are in that inter- intermediate level. He may be reading a corner or a, uh, a nickel safety, 
and he's looking right through a defender that's in front of him, a linebacker in that underneath zone, just kind of looking right through him as if he's not even there. You throw it, and he catches it and returns it for a touchdown. So he's really struggled with that in eyes in the right place, along with the ball coming out on time. Now, the offensive line has given up a lot of pressure. They have not been good. They kind of have gotten worse each week in pass pro. But KJ's holding on the ball, too, because there's some confusion there, and he's starting to really hesitate because he didn't want to commit that extra turnover. So the thing that he's got to do is, number one, just let the ball go. You know, I would encourage him. I think any quarterback's coach says, you know, you just cannot play in such a way as you're afraid to throw an interception. you got to let the ball go. He's got to come out on time. It'll help his offensive line. He's got to confidently do that, and he's got to be accurate. You know, those underneath throws that you're hitting a running back out of the backfield, and instead of hitting him in stride, you make him stop, or you make him turn, and now his momentum stop. And by the time he catches it, now the defender's there, and it's a one-yard play, where if you hit him running, it's going to be a four- or five-yard play. Those little things, too, he can be much better, and he better uh, be better at those things this week. And if I remember correctly, I think that Mississippi State passing offense is number three in the league right now. And so, you know, playing statistically well compared to the record of one and three. But you talk about the eyes of Costello. And that's one thing Bama fans really didn't pick up on because Alabama was never a pass first offense, you know, over the last decade until more recent years. And I think that's something that Alabama fans picked up on with Tua, uh, especially looking off those Georgia safeties on second, 20, second and 26 back in Atlanta. And so I yeah. think that's one thing that if Alabama fans are, are hearing this and they're saying, well, what, is it, what exactly does that mean? It's that looking off the safeties, looking off the DBs, um, and that's going to be really important for this game. Alabama's defense. Uh, a lot of people have questioned Dylan Moses this year, not in terms of his ability, but of his, um, I'd say, output on defense. And some people are saying Christian Harris might be better than Dylan Moses. How do you, when you look at this Alabama defense as a whole, who stands out as um, a player in terms of leading the defense and who's the biggest threat defensively for Alabama? Well, I think certainly you named two of them, and, and Moses and Harris. You know, two guys that tackle so well. This is one thing I think that gets overlooked so much and it gets overlooked by a lot of media people who cover the game and therefore fans don't always get the insight that they need. But people talk about leaders on defense. You'll never find a leader on defense who's a poor tackler. You know, he may be an older guy. Uh, he may do all the right things. He may be a great guy, a leader in the weight room, uh, making all the right calls. But if you're missing tackles, you just, they're not going to look to you as a leader. The guy who never misses tackles are leaders, and you got them there at Alabama. I mean, in, in the way that Saban operates the, the, the thing, especially on defense, I mean, you miss a few tackles, you're over on the bench watching somebody else play, right? So uh, that's the thing that stands out to me. And as I prepare for this game, that's the reason it stands out is the style of play that I think we're going to see. You know, you watch the Arkansas game for Mississippi State. Watch the A&M game. You're going to see so often – It'd be, for instance, second and 10, third and nine, where they're dropping. We're going to keep you in front of us. We're going to give the quarterback the read of hitting that underneath route. And then we're coming flying up the field 90 miles an hour to make this solo tackle to try to get him down short of the sticks on a five-yard completion or a six-yard completion. Well, if that linebacker misses that tackle, it's first down. And, and we've purposefully, as a defense, basically isolated that running back versus our linebacker, expecting him to make the tackle. Bumper pool for Arkansas did it. We'll 
Harris and Moses and those guys for Alabama do it, they'll, you know, they'll be um, put in situations where they got to make a lot of solo tackles. So you talk about output and numbers. If Alabama wins a game, which, you know, we all expect them to, but if they limit State's offense in this game, you'll look up at the end of it, one of those two guys will be in the neighborhood of 12 to 13 to 14 tackles in this ballgame. We'll definitely have to keep our eye on that. Defensively for Mississippi State, uh, leading the league, only allowing 295 and a half yards per game. What do they have to do to stop this Alabama offense or really limit it? I mean, you said, you know, yeah. we expect Alabama to win the game. What does the state defense have to do? Well, uh, you know, the one thing that state has done as well or better than anybody else in the SEC is tackled. You know, you look up. Uh, it, it's, I don't know if they've waved a magic wand or what, but Zach Arnett this year taking over that defense, that defense under Moorhead and his staff the last two years versus what it has looked like this year, it's night and day. Strength and conditioning, they went to another level when they could, pre-COVID and then when they got going again. But tackling, they have really tackled so well. And to me, that's a huge part of this game because they haven't really faced a back like Najee Harris. Now, you see Spiller last week at A&M, and he goes for 100 yards. Um, that was the first time this year State's allowed somebody to rush for over 100 yards. And they kind of knew that going in. And talking to Zach Arnett, he's like, look, people may not realize this, but A&M's offensive line is maybe the best that we'll see. We're going to have a hard time with the run game. You know, the, you hear a lot of the same things this week against Alabama. And I think the difference in this challenge, Alabama, is what they are because they are so dual threat. You know, they, you, you gave up a couple of throws last week to Kellamond and uh, A&M, but it was primarily the run game that stayed on the field for two key drives that was a difference in the game. Uh, Alabama's so dual threat with what Mac Jones is able to do. with That group of receivers, you know, they make him better. This year, unlike last year, there, you can see there's this continuity with Mac and those receivers throwing a deep ball. He's not missing them. And so the dual threat part of it is the hardest part about it. And, and so for Alabama fans who don't know, I would say understand State is starting a sophomore corner in Martin Emerson, really good player. He's going to be really good. He'll be an NFL player. He's just young. And the other starting corner is a true freshman in Emmanuel Forbes, who he is, you know, he's predicted to be a freshman All-American and he's a big, tall kid, but he's never played in Tuscaloosa before. He had never covered these kinds of receivers. So there will be big plays down the field at times in the game, and the whole key will be does Mac Jones hit them or not. And you talk about that continuity between receivers and quarterbacks, and you played quarterback, so you know as well as anybody. But Jalen Waddell obviously was one guy that might have been worth, you know, 10 to 17 points a game, especially because he played on special teams. Mm -hmm. And so how does Jalen Waddell's injury and absence influence Mississippi State's preparation in terms of – Alabama being able to spread the field on offense, but also just his impact as a player and the ability to break out. Yeah, he is uh, it's such a terrible loss um, for Alabama. And just for him, you know, too, personally, when, you know, your team counts on you and, and it's the first play of the game for something like that to happen. You know, here at State, it, it hits close to home because we're all Dak fans out in Dallas. We don't have a ton of Cowboys fans around here, but we got a lot of Dak fans. You know, we just went through that with him. So you think about it from the personal angle. And just as a fan of college football, you know, Jalen Waddell is one of those, whether you're an Alabama fan or not, or whether you care to watch the whole game or not, you really want to see him return kicks. You really want to turn on the television and watch him return a punt and catch the ball. So I just hate it for all of us that we don't get to watch that guy play this year. 
And, um, you know, so anyway, does it change? Yeah, it changes things for them in a big way in that I think it moves the production somewhere else. Um, does it change the play calling? Well, I think probably so uh, to a degree. There are certain situations in games where you're taking that big shot to waddle knowing you're going to get a one-on-one matchup where now you may get that matchup, but you're not as sure about taking the shot. And does the ball go somewhere else? Or do we play more conservatively and just go, we got to have longer scoring drives at certain times, especially against a good defense. Statistically, State right now, the number one defense in the league. So I think it will change their play calling in, in certain situations, especially you get in like second and three and you're on the opponent's end of the field and you're in take a shot territory. It may just be give it to Najee, get a first down, and let's get a new set in play instead of taking that shot at the end zone. So uh, it's, it is going to change things for them. And, you know, I think it opens up an opportunity for somebody who they obviously have great players, um, but I don't know that they have anybody else on that roster like him. Yeah, certainly a significant blow and something that Alabama fans saw. And if you don't know the game of football very well, people were saying, well, why was he out there in the first place? Why would you not have your best player out there returning kicks? I mean, you know, should we have the third string quarterback out there taking first team snaps on the first drive against Tennessee? Absolutely not. It just, it doesn't make sense, but it is unfortunate for him. And it seems like he's and surgery went well and everything is, is turning around for him uh, slowly, but surely. And, uh, Matt, I want to ask you about Mike Leach. I mean, just how do you characterize a guy like Mike in terms of the impact he's had on Mississippi State, getting that big win over LSU, but just his personality? How do you characterize him as a whole? He is unique in the truest sense of the word, uh, truest definition of that word. And we really like that. I think media in general really like it. He's not always been – you know, the, the smoothest guy to cover, uh, you know, at times, I think, for media in the past. But it's okay because, you know, in the, on the media side of things, we get fed a steady diet of coach speak and canned answers and boring stuff <laughs> and, frankly, non-real stuff. You know, we get fed a steady diet of what they think we need. You know, the whole line from the movie, um, A Few Good Men, you know, you can't handle the truth. I mean, a lot of that's kind of the approach a lot with coaches. Well, with Mike, it's not the approach. Is you know, if you ask the question, his approach is, I'm just going to tell you what I think about it. And I don't really care what the question is. You can ask me about football. You can ask me about pirates. You can ask me about weddings. I don't care. Just ask. You know, that's his sort of thing. Um, and, and so we, we enjoy that. We enjoy the personality as well. What's interesting is he has the ability in, in a media setting, an interview setting, public setting, to just totally and utterly be himself, which not most fo football coaches do, frankly. Yet he'll go to practice and he gets in with the team and there's this flip of the switch and he is as old school as it gets, um, as no nonsense as it gets at practice and in team stuff. Um, non-lenient uh, in terms of players playing or not. If you don't act right, you don't play. <laughs> you know, I mean, so there's a really an interesting dynamic of laid back, he is who he is in the media, and then with the team, about as old school coach as it gets. So we're still kind of learning the ropes with Mike, but so far it's, a, it's an interesting ride. The Egg Bowl certainly got a lot more interesting when it was announced that Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach would be the two head coaches. Of course, last year's, you thought you couldn't top it. Well, 
here we are with Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach, um, and that is coming up around the corner next month. Matt, I want to ask you last question here. If you had to put your hand on two keys for Mississippi State, what would be the two things you say Mississippi State has to do well this weekend? Well, number one, it, it sounds like such a coach speak answer, and I'm just talking about that, but they just cannot turn the ball over. And, you know, you look at stats, they far and away lead the SEC in turnovers after all these interceptions the last three weeks. Uh, they far and away lead the league in pick sixes, uh, the, you know, giveaways. And the only chance you have on the road at a place really anywhere in the SEC, let alone at Alabama, the only chance you have to stay in the game is if you don't give Alabama the football. Every drive State has must end in a kick of some sort. Extra points, field goals, or punts. Punts are good in a game like this, especially when your defense is playing so well and has so much confidence. Give them a chance. So, um, you know, you hate to go negative with the first key, but it just is what it is. If they turn the ball over at the rate they have been, you have zero chance of staying in the game whatsoever. And then the other key is, I think, defensively, it's finding a way to shorten the game and not let Mac Jones beat you over the top. They are so capable of quick scores and big plays. And as a defense, you know, it'll get away from you quick, especially with a struggling offense, if you're giving up a three-play scoring drive and one of those is a 60-yard bomb, right? So it's at, you know Alabama's capable of running it down your throat and going on long drives, but you got to figure out a way to force them to do it. It shortens the game, take the air out of it a little bit. You know, if you go in the locker room at halftime and you're down, you know, 14-7 or 17-7, as opposed to going in at halftime, you're down 24 zip. That's a world of difference on the road. And so I think not giving up the home runs on defense would be a huge key for State. Matt White, the Mississippi State football radio analyst, joining this interview. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time and thank you for your insight. Yeah, my pleasure. Glad to join you. Really appreciate Matt Wyatt and the time he took to talk football and talk X's and O's. It's great to talk to somebody who knows the game so well. Of course, Matt played quarterback in the late 90s for Mississippi State. He's an Alabama native from Prattville, and so I want to thank Matt for taking his time and uh, hope you enjoyed it. If you have any feedback on the podcast and the interview there, let me know. Tweet me at WM underscore Galloway. And as we do now, we're going to wrap up going around Alabama athletics, going a little over on time here, so we're going to keep it short. And the only thing that I have for you here on episode 56 is Alex Chiku, Alabama men's basketball forward. Alex Chiku is out for the season. He suffered an Achilles injury last Tuesday in practice, underwent a successful surgery and is expected to make a full recovery. That surgery was on Wednesday morning on his Achilles done by Dr. Norman Waldrop. Of course, Dr. Waldrop has been on the podcast before talking uh, medical X and O's, X's and O's, if you will. Of course, he works at Andrew Sports Medicine at St. Vincent's in Birmingham. And so you hate to see a guy like Alex Chiku who had so much going for him and has, you know, gone on this journey as a French player to come to America and play prep ball and, you know, come to a school like Alabama, play for a coach like Nate Oates, and then something like this happens to him. Uh, it's just devastating to see for him. But he's, he's a 225-pound freshman. I mean, a 6'11 guy, and he was going to contribute, I think, significantly for this Alabama basketball team. Would he have been a starter? I don't know. I think there's 
you know, 10 out of 13 guys on this Alabama team that could start this year. He was one of them and will be out for the season. And so you hate to see that. Obviously, it happened, um, not the Achilles injury, but two injuries last year with um, James Rojas and Jawan Gary. And you just hate to see Alabama men's basketball get plagued with injury preseason, especially late in October when we're just about a month away from the season tipping off. So bad news about Alex Chiku there, but that's what's up and around Alabama athletics. Kickoff is 6 p.m. on ESPN for Alabama versus Mississippi State. This Saturday night, of course, the game, a home game in Bryant-Denny Stadium, still sitting at 20% capacity. Maybe we could get that up by the end of the season. Alabama will only have two home games after this weekend versus Mississippi State. That's, of course, Kentucky and then Auburn. So that is what's up in around Alabama athletics. I want to thank Matt Wyatt once again for his time joining this podcast for the interview. I want to thank you, the listener. Remember, check out the Galloway Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as SoundCloud. If you're interested, I still have uh, just a handful of Galloway Podcast comfort color shirts. I've got plenty of tumblers, coffee mugs, and golf towels as well. And uh, one more thing here for you. I want to remind you to check in and check out the Galloway Podcast Score Prediction Friday. I'm giving away either golf towels, tumblers, or coffee mugs every Friday. All you have to do is to predict, reply to the tweet, and predict your score for the Alabama game that weekend. Whatever's happening, you could win a mug, you could win a tumbler, you could win a golf towel. Maybe you could even win a t-shirt one of these weekends. Who knows? We will see. But also check out my weekend sportscast on WVUA 23 Saturday and Sunday nights at 10 p.m., As the weekend sports anchor, I've got you fully covered there in Alabama athletics, local high school athletics, and around the state and around the country as well. Weekends at 10 p.m. on WVUA23 and WVUA23.com. This is episode 56 of the Galloway Podcast, where there's the right way, there's the wrong way, and there's the Galloway.